We love Andy Griffith in our house. We watch a lot of Andy Griffith. This is se- that's from season eight, um, and we and with the kids now we've watched all every I don't know thirty episodes per season all the way up to season eight. So, so that's what that's what Paul is writing about in Philippians this morning. And so, if you would open up your your Bibles, um, open up the app on your phone, whatever you've got, to Philippians chapter four. Uh, the last couple of weeks. We have heard um, from Mark, uh, Pastor Mark, a couple of weeks ago, um, just about um, how God uh, saves us, how he, um, by his grace, has, has um, invited us into his family. And then last week, we heard from Brad Jackson about um, how God takes us from that justification and he sanctifies us, he grows us uh, in him. And this morning, we're just going to get some practical stuff um, that Paul lays out for the church in Philippians um, about how to live out that sanctification, how we are to live as, as um, citizens of his kingdom. So let's read it, and then we'll, we'll go from there. Chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved, I entreat Euodia, and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, to help these women, who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So we, we talked last week in chapter 3, and Paul just finished uh, encouraging the Philippians about how our walk with him is like a race. Um, I don't know, did anybody in here run cross-country, like in high school or anything? Yeah, believe it or not, um, I used to run cross-country. I love, like... Started in eighth grade, I started running cross-country just to stay in shape for basketball. And then as I went throughout high school, um, cross-country became my passion. Um, I ran everywhere, I mean, 50, 70 miles a week um, on average, like all the way through high school. I just love to run. Um, But man, for those of you that have run cross-country, you know um, that a race is... Uh, it's an endurance race, and, and, but the goal at the end of the race, if you go to a cross-country race, you'll see people coming across the line, and it's not pretty. It's not at all pretty. It's not, it's not a glorious finish where they just hop across the line. No, they are like passing out. It's like a sprint. They can see the finish line, and they just go as hard as they can. And if you, if you, our rule on our team was if you get to the finish line and you have anything left, then you've, you've screwed up. Because you should have run a little faster somewhere back there. Because by the time you get to that line, you should just be vomiting and passing out. And, and it ha- I mean, that's how we ran. That's what we did. And, um, and that's just part of it. But, um, and so, so I just think about this race that, that Paul has laid out. 
Um, and he's, he's encouraging us to run a good race. Um, but there's a key that, that comes in because a race in, in, in God's family um, doesn't look like that. Um, yes, we want to leave it all on the field. And yes, we want to, we want to run our hardest and our best. Um, but, but as children of God, um, it's, not, it's not all about us. And so this morning is going to be really simple. Um, there is one um, key phrase in this passage that I think all of it revolves around. And, and, if, and if we can just come to that one passage, that one phrase, and agree on it and, and understand it, then when we walk out of here, that would be awesome. So that's, that's all is just this one, one phrase that it all revolves around. And that is in verse 5. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. Reach out and grab something that's within an arm's length. Go ahead. Find, I don't care what it is. It doesn't matter. Yep. Right? Whatever that is, is at hand. Okay? It's at hand. It's near to you. Right? You can let go. You don't have to. Some of y'all are holding hands. That's, that's awesome. Right? What a... What a Incredible, right? That's just a, a short little phrase, and we hear it, and we read it, and we skip right over it. But this morning, my hope is that we can slow down a step and, and really process what that, what that means. What that means in Hebrews chapter 9. says, For the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Christ is our mediator. He is the go-between. He is, he is our, our connection with God the Father, right? When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he took what was far from God. He took what was separated from God. He took us, us who had rejected God, who had turned our backs on God, and he brought us near to God. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. The God who created everything with a word the God who is, who is completely sovereign, completely over everything that we can see and touch and feel and think and, and even the things that we can't see in our universe that go immeasurably beyond us, right? He is sovereign over all of that. He is God over everything and he created it all just by speaking and that God is as near to you and even more so than whatever it was you were just holding on to. Ah! Right? What on earth? How, how can this be? How can God, that God look at me and say, I'm going to come and I am going to have a personal, intimate relationship with you. The Lord is at hand and that changes everything. It changes everything. It changes the way that we, right, as Mark shared a few weeks ago, that we are justified through faith in Christ, that we are, we are saved. And then Brad shared last week that we're sanctified, but we are not sanctified on our own 
terms. None of it is about us. It's all about just knowing and experiencing the nearness of Christ. God is near. The Lord is at hand. Right? The Lord is at hand. So, we're going to take that verse and we're going to, we're going to filter the rest of what we read this morning through that idea that the Lord is at hand. And we're going to see a few different things that Paul is telling his church in Philippi. Um, he, he's encouraging them based on this truth that the Lord is at hand. So I just have in my notes here, I have Christ's nearness equals. And then I just have a list of things. So the nearness of God means the, these things. Okay, the first thing is this, that, that we, there should be rejoicing in the Lord. There should be rejoicing in the Lord. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Man, what else can we do? <laughs> what else can we possibly do with our lives except for rejoice that that, that God who, who is so incredibly greater than us has come near? How else can we live our lives except in a posture of just always rejoicing, always celebrating, always being overjoyed at the truth that God is near. Zechariah 9.9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Right? So this is looking forward to, the, to when Christ would come. He says, he's coming. He's coming. You have to rejoice. There is no other response except to rejoice that Jesus, our God, is coming near to us and he's making a way that we can be near with God. Psalm 511. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them sing ever, sing for joy and spread your protection over them that those who love your name may exult in you. Man, I know for me, I want, in my life, I want to rejoice. I want tomorrow when I wake up, I, I have such a tendency to forget the nearness of God. I have such a tendency to have a list of things that, that I have to get done tomorrow. And I'm already, even now as I'm talking about it, they're popping into my head. I've got to do this and I've got to do that and I've got to talk to that customer and I've got to help my wife with my kids, and I've got all this stuff, right? All the, the things that we have in life get in the way of my rejoicing in God. But even in the midst of all of those things, all of the stuff that we have in our lives, God doesn't, God doesn't step aside for all of that. He's near. He's with us. He's in us in the midst of all of that, and, and he gives us the ability the option to rejoice in him, to be just full of joy everywhere we go. That, can, that doesn't ever have to leave us because he's near to us. He's near to us. The second thing, Christ's nearness means our reasonableness with others. I thought for sure that when I typed that word in that it would have red squigglies under it, but apparently it is a real word reasonableness. And this is, what, this is why we showed the Andy Griffith clip, because I love Andy Griffith, and 
And if we were to watch on, uh, Lauren told me I shouldn't show the whole episode this morning. But um, as it turns out, their church building had sunk five inches on one side. And so um, Howard Sprague and Emmett, they wanted to uh, use the $500 to jack up the building, which is amazing that it would only cost $500, uh, five inches, right? And so, so that's the, that has to be what the money is spent on. And Aunt B and Clara Edwards, um, they wanted new choir robes. And $500 would get them the nicest choir robes um, of any other church in town. And so that's what the money had to be spent on. If we went on a little bit further, we'd find out that uh, there's a fellow that he came to the meeting with their finance committee. They wanted a pool table for the basement of the church because that was important. <laughs> and so I imagine um, that that, we don't, we don't have any idea uh, as Paul refers to Euodia and Syntyche, this is their only mention in Scripture, but he says, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche, which may not be how you say her name, but sorry, Syntyche, to agree in the Lord. I encourage you, I entreat you to agree in the Lord. We don't know what they had a disagreement about. It probably wasn't choir robes, I don't know. But, but whatever it was, he's saying, hey, ladies, I encourage you to agree in the Lord. And he says, you other folks that are around there, try to help them come together, right? Try to help them come together. And then a couple verses down, he says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. And what Paul's saying here is, guys, are you kidding me? The Lord is at hand. How can you, how can you be in a disagreement about that? And we could pretty much fill in the blank of whatever it is, right, that we, we get our back up about or we hear that person talking about this or we, we see this going on and we just go, well, how dare they, right? Or, or, or we, we want it our way, right? And Paul is saying, ladies, come on. God is at, the Lord is at hand. Well, how can, how can you let this get in the way of the race that, that God has called you to run, right? And so I imagine these ladies... Um, which it's just a shame that, you know, because we all have things like this, and these poor ladies, this is the only mention they get in Scripture, and here it is that they couldn't get along. But, but I can just imagine, you know, picturing a race, and, and, you know, when you're on a race, there's a goal, there's a finish line, there's a, there's a um, destination that you are moving toward, right? And here, poor Yodia and Syntyche were on a pit stop, Right? They're in the race. He says, he says um, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together. Right? He's saying, and these ladies are awesome. They, they, they did awesome work with me when I was there. We've labored in the gospel together. These ladies are great, but they have, they have lost sight of the destination. They've lost sight of the destination. They are, they're on the race, but they are taking a detour. And if you guys could just help them Help them come back in line with the, and, and, and see the destination. And, and Brad told us last week, what is, the, what is the destination? What is the prize of the race? That's the question. What is the prize? What is the destination? One more time. What is the prize? What is the destination of the race? Jesus. Jesus. Yes, right? He's saying, help them get their eyes back on Jesus. The Lord is at hand. Let your reasonableness be reasonable with everyone. 
These, these little arguments that keep popping up, even though it may seem like a good thing. It may be, man, it, we may really need choir robes. We may really need to jack up one side of the church. What a, but, but guys, are you kidding me? Are you really going to spend time and energy on that when the Lord is at hand? He is near to us. He, is, he has got us on this race, right? He is advancing His kingdom in, in northern Kentucky and Cincinnati, and He has got us here for that purpose. How could we get distracted with anything else? Right? How could we, how could we get distracted or, or sidelined by anything else when He has given us that task, when He has put us here for that purpose? Ephesians 2, 14-19 says, For He Himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So in context here, he's he's talking about the Jews and the Gentiles, and God's bringing them together to make them one. But but this is God's God's identity throughout Scripture, is that he is taking people that are at odds. He's taking people that are separated. He's taking people that have differences, and he's bringing them together in Christ. He is bringing them together in His name. That is who God is and what God does. So how can we get distracted? We need to be reasonable with one another. He wants us to be in unity, um, certainly in the church. Certainly in the church. Christ's nearness means no anxiety. means no anxiety. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Pretty plain and simple. Right? The Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious about anything. He's here. That's it. That's all you need to know. There's nothing to be anxious about. It's like when um, I love when the kids, when the doorbell rings at home, they just run. They don't care. They, they don't think. They just go, someone's at the door. I'm going, right? And I love the looks on their faces when they open the door and it's like a pizza delivery guy or it's a stranger that they don't know, right? Because they, they just go for it and then they have this look on their face that's like, ah, Right? Like, I can't even, I can't even imitate the, the awesome expressions that Elijah has when, when he does, because he does it every time, and it never changes. Maybe one day he'll learn. But he always answers the door without thinking, and then has the uh-oh feeling, like, where is dad? And then usually I'm a few steps behind, and I'll come around the corner, and just the peace that comes over him, it's like, oh, okay, dad's here. Oh, okay, dad's here. It's okay. Whoever this is, doesn't matter. I don't have to worry. Dad's here. 
That's what Paul is telling them. No anxiety. Why? Because our dad is here. And our dad is everything. Right? He is near to us. There is nothing. There is nothing that he doesn't know about. There is nothing that he can't handle. There is nothing that he doesn't have an answer for. No anxiety. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Right? We can take that stuff and we can just say, God, this is worrying me. I don't know what to do about this. I'm stressing out about this. This is a tough situation I'm in. And he says, hey, give it to him. Give it to God. Why? Because he cares for you. He cares for you. Man, think about that. The God who dug out that river, right, and made water flow through it, cares about me. What in the world? What have I got to worry about? Matthew eleven, twenty-eight through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Right? Find rest for your souls in Christ. No anxiety, because he's near, he's here. The nearness of Christ means that we can have intimate prayer But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Wow. We can make requests of God. Not only, not only does, he, does he come and say, hey, I want to be with you guys. I want to I, I make a way for you to be with me. But he says, Ed, come on, make a list. What do you need? What do you need? Right? We are, here we are, we're on this race, we're on this race to advance the kingdom of God in Cincinnati, northern Kentucky, and, and, and to see Christ known in our neighborhoods, in our, in our city, and he says, what do you need? Let me know. Nothing. There's nothing that God can't do, right? He says, let me know. I'll do it. Wow. Right? God is near. He, he, says, he says, just ask. Right? And we can come to him in, in, in prayer. We can have intimate relationship with him. It doesn't have to be uh, formal. It doesn't have to be scripted. It doesn't have to be 100% right every time. Right? He just says, come. Come on, guys. Let me know. What is it? What do you need? How can I help? Make your requests made known to God, the God who is near to us. John 15, 4, Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. Wow, what, that we get to abide in Christ. We get to, that word is I, just so powerful that we get to abide, we get to live, we get to, we get to be. Our, like, that word abide just speaks to the essence of, of us and Jesus, that we are, we are with him. It's not, it's not like, it, there's no like delay there's no, there's no time between when we make our request and then Jesus is going to get to it eventually. Or No, like, abide in me. Live in me. 
You can live in Jesus every step of every day. Abide in me and I in you. We have intimacy with God. And I think this is important as well to speak to, that, that, that God is not just near to his church. He is near to his church, but he's not just near to Christians in general. Or right, A lot of scripture talks about God and his people, the, the, the Israelites as a people, as a, as a communal group. But, but through Christ, we have a very, very individual relationship with Jesus that he, that he has a specific and unique plan for each of us individually every day as we walk with him. Jeremiah 29.11 is what came to mind. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Right? He has a plan, a specific, a specific idea about what he wants to see in you. And in that, he'll speak to you individually as we spend time with him. I was so encouraged last night we were... Um, had a little like worship gathering thing, and some of you guys were there. And Michael, um, he he was unofficial, but he like became the preacher last night, and it was awesome. Um, but he just encouraged all of us that that what we had experienced, which was really intimate uh, um, time in the presence of God through through singing, um, he's he's like, guys, we can have this every day. This should be every day. We can have this intimacy with Him as we walk through our lives. And it's so true. Guys, God is near to us. He is near to us. We can rejoice. Right? We can forget about all of our disagreements. We can forget about all the things that are separating us with one another. We don't have to have worry or anxiety about anything in our lives. We can come to him intimately in prayer. And we can have peace. He says, and the peace of God, this is one of my favorite verses, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's a peace that doesn't make sense. That's how when I'm, when I'm praying for somebody, and I, I pray this prayer for people a lot, and that's just always what comes to me. This is a peace that doesn't even make sense. Right? This is peace in the midst of turmoil. This is peace in the midst of struggle, in the midst of, of where it doesn't make any sense at all that anyone would have peace. Right? This is a peace that, that comes when we should, when, when everything in the world would say, that looks like chaos. That looks like chaos, right? When you have heartache, when you have um, struggles, you can have peace. It goes beyond our understanding. Peace is listed as a fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Right? We can have peace. As we walk in the Spirit with God, we can have peace. As we draw near to Him, the natural overflow of that, the natural uh, uh, response to that is that we just have peace. It's not something that we have to work at. It's not something that we have to really even search for. As we draw near to Christ, as we draw near to him, as we experience his presence, 
peace. Right? It just happens. It just happens. It's not, it, and it's really not something that you can, that you can manufacture. Right? We, can, we can tell ourselves, hey, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. I don't, right? But peace comes by, because of the nearness of Christ. The Lord is at hand. We can have peace. And then the last thing is that our focus can be on the positive because we have victory in Jesus. My tendency is to focus on the negative. I am so often um, looking at what could have been or what should have been or how I, you know, always second-guessing myself or... um, you know, others around me, and, and I'm pretty critical. And, but he says, no, God is, the Lord is at hand. We don't have to. We don't have to focus on the negative. Jesus has already won the victory. He has already done it. He has already, he, you are a new creation in Christ. He has made you to be who he, who he wants you to be, right? He has, he has already done that. He's already done We still struggle, right? We still have these this flesh that we carry around with us all the time. But God has already done it in Christ. It's already won. The victory is, is, is done. The battle is over. It's done. And because of that, we do not have to um, spend our time in regret. We do not have to spend our time looking at the negative. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And what he's really saying here is keep your eyes on Jesus, right? We're in the race. We're running the race. Keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And, and, and it's not that Jesus is way off yonder, right? He is He is here. The Lord is at hand. Focus your attention. Focus your gaze on Him. When you wake up tomorrow, think about Jesus. When you you go to work, when you go to school, think about Jesus. Focus yourself on Him. Spend time with Him throughout your day. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure. Guys, don't... (laughs) He says, the Lord is at hand. Don't focus on the negative. Don't focus on all the junk. Look at Jesus. Look at what's good. Father, I thank you for your word. God, most of all, we just want to say thank you for being near to us. God, that you have laid out a a path. You've you've called us to obedience. You've given us things to, to accomplish and to do. But before we can have any success in any of that stuff that you've, any of the doing that you have for us, God, we've got to be We've got to be in you. God, help us to experience your presence, not just here, 
but every day this week, Lord. We want to experience your presence. We want to know that you are near. Help us to do that, God. Keep Jesus at the forefront of our minds. We love you and thank you and praise you. Amen.